What's up, Faith Church? Is everybody good today? How many of you felt like that when you woke up this morning? Like just wanted to scream, like, no! That's what I felt this morning. Uh, but I am so glad to be with you guys here today because it is an awesome day uh, to be in God's house. Uh, welcome. Just like Pastor Steve said, so glad all you guys are here. I want to say a special shout out to everybody who's watching online right now, uh, whether that is through our online streaming platforms or if you're on Facebook Live, welcome. And I get to give a big shout out today because this is the first opportunity that I've had to speak directly to our Lawrenceburg campus. So we love you guys. Would y'all give a big hand? Yep. Love Lawrenceburg, love all that God is doing up there. Um, like Pastor Steve said, do you guys believe that it is Thanksgiving week already? Like the holidays are here. Our family had our first um, Thanksgiving meal last night, and we were sitting there, and like, I remember when you were a kid, the holidays kind of felt like the holidays, and nobody ever told me that when you get older, it kind of sneaks up on you, and it's gone before you know it, and it doesn't feel like the holiday, like it... I remember as a kid, it felt special and like all the, the dinners and the parties and all these things. And with Thanksgiving on Thursday, you know what that means, right? That means we are five Sundays away from Christmas right now. Five Sundays. So if you're here, how many of you have actually begun your Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. Okay, we got some overachievers in the room. How many have not started your Christmas shopping yet? There we go, that's more like it. How many of you are online shoppers? Raise your hands. Okay. Uh, retail research actually tells us that 46% of all Christmas gifts purchased um, are purchased online now. 46%. Like, I knew it would be a high number, but that's the reason that, like, brick-and-mortar stores are suffering so bad, right? Like, 46% of every single gift purchased. Um, how many of you, you don't like the online deal, and you have to have the gift in your hand? Like, you're, how many of you are Black Friday ready? Because that's Friday. Some of you, you're already getting the game plan together. Do you know Black Friday's not the largest shopping day of the year like some people think it is? Black Friday's a big shopping day, but the biggest shopping day of the year is what's known as Super Saturday. Super Saturday is the Saturday before Christmas Eve, wherever that falls. Retail research tells us that over 40% of all gifts purchased will be purchased between December the 15th and December the 24th. So if you haven't begun your Christmas shopping, that's you. You're, you're in that part. Um, that same research tells us that the average American, not the average American family, but the average American will spend $906 on gifts this Christmas season. 906 That collectively, we as Americans will spend over $1 trillion on Christmas gifts this season. A trillion. That's a million million you can't wrap your head around a million million, a trillion dollars on gifts. We love gifts. We love giving gifts. We love receiving gifts. And so today, we're going to talk about gifts, but not the kind that we're going to get and give this holiday season. We're going to talk about the gifts that are already on the inside of you. You see, God has given all of us these gifts that are just intrinsic to us, like everybody in this room, everybody watching through that camera right now, there is something that you're just good at that just comes easy to you. Maybe when you were in school, that was like math and science. It just clicked, right? Like it made sense. You understood the analytic. The, that was not me. Um, some of you, more like me, were like you were history and English people. You were on the other side. So the others, like that's tough, but yeah, give me history and English. And it, it did. It just came easy. I never studied one day all the way through college. I studied history in grad school. 
all the way through. I never had to study history. I loved it. It was just easy for me. But math was awful. It's still awful to this day. Um, I hate it. Some of you, school in no shape or form was your gift. Some of you struggled through all of it. Um, But for you, maybe it was like sports. Maybe you were athletically gifted, that it just came easy to you. It was just good. You never had to to really work that hard. You never had to practice too much. You were never concerned about whether or not you would make the team because you were gifted in that way. Some of you, it was music, and you've got great voices, and and you play all these instruments because because it's natural for you. We all have gifts, not just those gifts that you can see and that we think about on a kind of a daily basis, but, but we all have these other type of gifts. For me, one of the gifts that I have that I believe is totally from God is the gift of curiosity. I am an insatiably curious person. I have to know how things work. I study them. How it's made is one of my favorite TV shows ever. I want to see the processes. I need to see how it works. And I just I have this knack when I study. It's like, okay, that makes sense. I see how it comes together. I am curious. And if I don't know the answer to something, it will keep me up at night because I'm curious It's a gift that I have. One of the other gifts that I have is the gift of leadership, right? Pastor Caleb, shout out again to Lawrenceburg. Um, He's told me that it's the gift of loving criticism is what he's told me my gift of leadership is. Um, But, and he loves me and it's true. But like I just, all the way back, like my whole life, y'all remember your senior who's who? When you would be like voted for all these things, like all the dudes, you wanted to be most handsome or most beautiful. You had most popular. Those were all the, do you know what I got voted in my senior class? I brought a picture to prove it. Check this out. I got voted best leader in my senior class. And at the time I was like, that's lame. (laughs) Like handsome and popular were available and I got leader. And it, I was like, that's dumb. But then now I look back and I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe God was doing some stuff in my life before I even realized it with a gift that he'd given me. It was the gift of leadership. I've got an, an entrepreneurial spirit. I see things in people and I see excellence in organizations and I thrive on like getting that excellence out of people so that the gifts that they have, that, that they can use those gifts. And I, I love it. I've got, a, I've got a gift for it. All those things. Here's the cool part. All of those things were in operation in my life before I started living my life for Christ. All those gifts were there. I was good at them. The difference is before I started living my life for Christ, what those gifts did, their purpose in my life was to serve me. I wanted to build my kingdom. I wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to be well-known. I was going to be influential. I was going to have a smoking hot wife, which I have. I was going to live in the biggest house, have the nicest car, have the biggest bank account. Like that, that was my goal, that American dream. And everything I did, every conversation, everything I did was to build my kingdom. And I was kind of on this path. I was doing pretty well. I was in sales for a lot of years. And then there came this point in my life where God finally stepped in and said, okay, it's not your life anymore. Now your life is my life. And what he did was he flipped the trajectory of my life so it wasn't about doing all I could do with my gifts to build my kingdom. He took all of those gifts and he placed them on himself and caused me to then take them and start using them for his kingdom, right? So the cool part is that he didn't say any of those gifts were bad. He didn't rebuke me for any of those gifts that I had. He didn't do any of those things. What he did was he actually went a step further and gave me even more gifts, 
once I started living my life for him. Gifts like teaching. People don't believe me when I tell them that I'm a very introverted person. I don't like groups of people. I don't like talking in front of people. I don't like being the center of attention. And somehow God has a sense of humor. And now I get paid to be in front of thousands a lot and, and do all these things. But this is, this is a gifting from God. This is not my personality. This is not what has always been natural to me. Just like many of you, my freshman year of college, when I had to go into speech 101, I was terrified to be in front of a class of 25 And now look where we are today because because it's a gift that we have. But here's the deal. Before we get too far down the um, God gives us great gifts and you should use them path, um, I want to spend some time today talking about your heart. I want to spend some time talking about the motives behind what you do with your life. Because here's the deal, even when it relates to your gifts, we're, we're in this series, No Excuse November, and we've all got some really big excuses when it comes to our gifts. When we talk about your, your motives, why do you do what you do, the one thing I don't want to happen with today's message is I don't want it to feel like I'm getting up here and I'm having a pep rally for serving. Like I don't want to get up here and use the gift that God has given me Um, to get up here and try to motivate you and kind of push you into this big idea of ministry. I don't want you to feel like that because I've learned something in my years of ministry, and it's this. It's that guilt is a terrible motivator for generosity. And manipulation is an even worse motivator for ministry. See, here's what typically happens in a message like this. Somebody gets up here and, and they talk about how great you are and all the gifts that God's put inside you. And we, we cast this vision for this big need and, and we have this, this real big push and you guys get really, really excited. And I know I can do it. I know I can, I know I can use those gifts that God's given me. And so all you really, really motivated people would then get up and maybe you'd go to Grow You and you'd, you'd go through the process and you'd, man, I'm going to jump on a serve team, whether that's you know, back in faith kids, or maybe you join guest services and you become an usher and you do those things and you get really, really motivated. But as that motivation begins to like wear off, what happens is about half of you motivated people would ever actually show up for the training required to do the volunteer role that you signed up for. And of those half that sign up for the training, only about 10% of you would ever actually serve for more than a week or two Because the motivation is all wrong. You see, serving equals sacrifice. Serving is sacrifice. That is the the giving of yourself, not for the benefit of you, but for the benefit of other people. Serving equals sacrifice. And the only way to sustain your sacrifice is for the gospel to inform and empower your life. It's got to start with the gospel. So today, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the gospel. We're going to be in the book of Romans today. Chapter 12 is where we're going to begin um, because the apostle Paul spends some time talking about this. He talks about how we should live our lives. Last week, we talked about how we should give generously. Today, how how we should serve and how we should use our gifts. One of the most famous um, passages of scripture that, that deals with this topic is Romans chapter 12. In verse 1, and here's what the Apostle Paul had to say about it. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, some of your translations will say, And so, therefore, brothers and sisters, I plead with you, right? I beg you to give your bodies to God, 
because all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, for this is truly the way to worship him. You see, there's a little trick when you're reading um, scripture, and it's that anytime you see that word, therefore, you have to ask yourself this really corny um, question that at least I have to ask myself. And if you see the word, therefore, you have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? <laughs> like, what? why would you use that word? So, if I begin a sentence with so, and then I say something, what you have to know is what comes after the so, what comes after the therefore is not the beginning of a thought, but it is the conclusion of a thought. It means I've said a bunch of stuff, so this. So many of us want to start with, and so brothers, you need to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And we spend so much of our Christian lives trying to figure out how to be living sacrifices and doing all these things. And we never go back to, to what Paul was referring to. But we've got we've to go back because that's the motive. That's the heart. We've got to jump back to Romans. I'm going to start in chapter 3 today. We're going to spend some time starting in verse 19. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having what? Excuses. See, no excuses. And to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Verse 21, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. See, here's the deal. There's two things when we talk about the therefore in Romans chapter 12, two big ideas that it doesn't matter in the book of Romans where you look or how you try to translate it. Two big ideas that the apostle Paul's talking about is number one, we are all sinners. We're all broken. We're fallen. Like we all have our issues. But the second with well, the good news is that God has made a way for us to be saved. God has offered himself up for us right? And we're all the same. Let's take a real quick poll. I'm curious, in this room today, I want you to raise your hand if you were a church kid growing up. Raise your hand. Like Sunday morning, Sunday night, like you were the full deal. Vacation, Bible school, youth. All right, look around the room. Keep your hands up. Okay, church kids. All right, now y'all put your hands down. Now, if you did not grow up in church, and this is all kind of new to you, I want you to raise your hand. Here we go. Okay, now, put your hands down. Now, here's what I want to do. If you're in this room or if you're watching online or in Lawrenceburg, and, and when you look back over the course of your life, what you see is a whole lot of regret. Maybe, maybe you're the person that you do have a history with drug abuse. And yes, that doesn't matter if you inhaled or not, okay? Um, alcohol abuse, whether that's overdrinking or drinking underage, um, sexual immorality, whether that's lust or pornography or sex outside of marriage, or maybe you were just a liar or a manipulator, a cheater. If you have a lot of regrets because you know you have not lived the life that would please God, I want you to raise your hand. Look, do y'all notice something? All the church hands went back up, right? Because you see, there's no difference 
We're all the same. Growing up and spending your life in church does not equal godliness. You can spend your entire life in church or not, and there's no difference. We're all sinners. We're all fallen. It does not matter if you wore the what would Jesus do bracelet in junior high. You were still fallen. You still had issues. See, you can look like a Christian and not submit your life, but you cannot be a Christian and not submit your life. Those two things are completely exclusive of one another. Coming to church and doing those things, it's all about submission. It's all about sacrifice, right? It's being a servant. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Pick up what the Apostle Paul is talking about. We're all on a level playing field. Everyone has sinned. We pick up in verse 23, and that's what he says. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, and yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. You see, that's the therefore. When we talk about Romans 12 and, and, and the Apostle Paul talking about us being living sacrifices and, and giving of ourselves to other people, the motive, the heart behind that is everything that we just read. You're a sinner, you were fallen, God saved you, and then we pick back up again, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, knowing that, again, please, brothers and sisters, give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, for this is truly the way to worship him. The question then becomes, how do you make your lives a living sacrifice? Because per the Apostle Paul, that's clearly what it means to be a Christian, right? The way you worship God is to make your life a living sacrifice. That's where he's taking us. Keep reading. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. For then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, there are three big patterns of this world that as you, as you live your life copying those customs and those behaviors, there's three patterns that will pop up over and over again in your life. The first one, what you'll see is you'll find yourself worshiping creation over the creator. You'll find yourself not wanting God, but wanting God's stuff. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, this is how you live your life. This is how I lived my life when it was all about me, right? The pattern of this world is a big neon sign over our head that says, what about me? Who's going to take care of me? What about what I want? What about what I need? That's a pattern of this world because what you're doing is you're focusing on you instead of focusing on God and focusing on others, Worshiping creation over the creator. So your motive is the big house and the fancy car and the nice bank account and the spouse that you so desperately want. And you spend all your time and energy and efforts going after those things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But there's a lot wrong with worshiping those things and making those the goal of your life instead of making the goal of your life to be a living sacrifice, to give of yourselves for other people, not you. We worship creation 
over the Creator. The second pattern of this world I think we see is that we find ourselves believing the lie over the truth. Believing the lie over the truth. You see, what happens, and I've never actually heard anybody say this, okay? I've been in ministry a long time, talked to a lot of people. I think the biggest lie that we believe is that we're smarter than God. Now, nobody says that. I don't think anybody in this room is like, yeah, man, I'm definitely, I'm smarter than God. But what you see day in and day out when we, when we actually sit down and talk is that we actually live our lives as if we think we're smarter than God. So I know what the Bible says about how I should do my finances, but I don't care because I think I know better for my finances than what God said I should do. That's a pattern of this world. I don't care what the Bible says about my sex life and how I should do that. I know what I like. I know what feels good. And so I'm going to do what I want to do, not what God wants to do, because I think I know better. It's a pattern of this world. You see, you do not know what's best for you. You don't. God is the ultimate source of truth, and anything outside of God is a lie. And the patterns of this world is you find yourself believing everything else and then not submitting your life, being a living sacrifice. The third, and this is one that it drives me insane when you see it, the third pattern of this world is we find ourselves failing to acknowledge God. Like we, we read all these stories and we see what the scriptures say and we, we never get to that point of understanding that we have nothing to offer. We think we're so good, and I, I had a friend in college that, that we would be going through our exams, and it'd come time to like crunch time, right? And he would get so in this panic, like he got so scared, and man, he was like, he would go into this like anxiety level times 10, and man, this, I'm going to bomb this test, I can't believe it, I'm studying so hard, which for him basically meant playing PlayStation with his notebook in his lap, right? Like, oh, I'm studying so hard, and the day of the exam would get here, and um, he'd go in, take the exam, he'd come back out, and you're like, man, how'd you do? How'd it go? He's like, oh, it's awful. I'm, man, I flunked it. I know I did. Like, my parents are going to kill me. I'm going to flunk out of school. And you're like, ah. Oh. Two days later, grades come back, and he made 104. <laughs> right? He graduated UNA with a GPA of 4.3. But guess what? He doesn't get to brag about his all A's record. Because he didn't do anything to earn that or deserve that. That was a gift that God gave him. He was just smart. It just came easy to him. He doesn't get to brag about that. What he needs to do is understand that God gave me this gift, and I don't understand, but it's going to be okay because I, I can use that gift that God's given me. He didn't give me that gift. I have to study, and I have to, have to spend time in it. Remember growing up, Maybe your high school is different than mine, or maybe your workplace today is kind of like this. But I remember growing up, there were kind of like two different levels of kids in school, you know? Um, you had the kids that wore the, um, the polo by Ralph Lauren shirts. You know what I'm talking about? Dude on the horse, the mallet, and right? It's a really nice clothing brand. I like it, but it's, it's a little expensive. Like, it's polo, and you had those kids that would walk around, right? And back in my day, they'd pop the collars and all that, you know. They'd walk around. Well, then you had the other kids that didn't, didn't wear the polo. Maybe they couldn't afford the polo. They wore the Knights of the Round Table. Y'all remember that one? 
Knights of the Round Table, the logo was almost identical to Polo, except instead of the guy on the horse carrying a mallet, the guy on the horse was carrying a flag. And it was a cheaper shirt. It was much more affordable. And, and I'll never forget seeing these kids walk around who somehow thought they were something because they were wearing polo. And they kind of like, you know, stick their nose up in the air at the kids who couldn't afford the polo or whatever. And they'd kind of walk around like they were somehow mightier and, and holier than thou. And I just want to be like, listen, kid, you did nothing to wear that shirt. You don't have a job. You didn't buy that. You were literally just born. Yay, you were born. Good job. Good job, kid. You were born. They did nothing for it. And that lack of gratitude and that lack of humility is just this, this awful like attitude to carry around in life. Like somehow the gift that I have makes me better than you because I've got more money than you when really I did nothing to deserve the money. I don't have a dollar to my name. And while we see that and it drives me crazy when I see it in other people and uh, like professional athletes, right? See these dudes that are seven foot tall, 300 pounds, and they get real excited when they dunk a basketball, you know? You're seven foot tall. That's not impressive. You were born... And God made you huge. You didn't do anything to grow yourself to seven feet tall. What you need to do is be thanking God and acknowledging him for being the source of the gift that you have. Don't act like you're somehow this great athlete. You're just huge. Right? Now let the five foot two guy that goes and dunks. Okay, now I'll give you some props because you did something. Right? But even in that, it's a gift from God. And the same thing is true for your gifts and my gifts. Just because you don't, you don't identify your gifts and you don't appreciate your gifts doesn't make it any different. You didn't do anything to deserve those gifts. I didn't do anything to deserve the gifts that God gave me. But a pattern of this world that, that I'm told I shouldn't conform to is not acknowledging the God who gave them to me. And when I don't acknowledge him and I don't use those gifts to give back to him, really what I'm doing is I'm, I'm spitting in the face of a good God that gave me a good gift. Failing to acknowledge God. Keep reading. We're told not to conform to the patterns of this world, but the Apostle Paul then goes on and tells us um, that we're to have renewed minds. In verse, or chapter 12, verse 3 of Romans, he says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me. So he's acknowledging God. He says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. I love that one of the first things a renewed mind does is it challenges our own selfish and self-righteous mentalities of how good we are, how much we deserve, how much I should get. Apostle Paul says, don't think of yourselves better than you are. Understand that the renewed mind knows that you're not the great exalted one, that God is the great and exalted one, and that your life is to be lived to bring him glory, not bring you glory. You see, servants can't be celebrities. It doesn't work. And you're called to be a servant. That's what we're known for. To be Christ followers is to give of ourselves for the benefit of other people. Look at what the Apostle Paul goes on, verse 4. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. 
We are many parts of one body, and we all belong together. We all belong together. We all belong to each other. You see, what that means is that we're one unit, the body of Christ. And so for us, Faith Church, what that means is for me to do and experience all that God has for me in this place, I need you to do and experience all that God has for you in this place. For me to use my gifts and maximize their full potential, because we belong to each other, I need you using your gifts and maximizing them to their fullest potential. We belong to each other. And then he goes on. Verses 6, I'm going to finish up in verse 8. He says, For in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And if it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. My favorite gift category in that entire breakdown is there when he says, you have the gift of serving others. You see, there's some gifts that don't fit so neatly into a spiritual gifts test. Like if you're teachers, like teach well. If you've got the gift of leadership, lead well. But you'll never take a spiritual gifts assessment. You'll never be reading through scripture and see that, that God has given you the spiritual gift of parking cars. You'll never see that you have the spiritual gift of making coffee, rocking babies. What those gifts are is they're the gift of serving others. They're acts of service. They are the understanding that this life is not about you. Your purpose in life is not to build your kingdom. It's to build his kingdom. It's not to bring glory to you as creation. It's to bring glory to him as the creator. You see, all glory, the purpose of all glory is to roll past us and to go back to him. And so the second that the glory stops on creation, we have a problem. You are created to serve. If you are a Christ follower, the way you do that, the way you follow Christ, is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's everything that you are. It's everything that you have. They are not yours. Scripture tells us that you as a Christ follower were crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. My life is not my own. I was bought with a price. And so those gifts that you have, you know what you get to do? You get to give them back to him. But you don't do it because a guy like me stood on a stage and manipulated your emotions to have a pep rally to get you really, really excited about going and serving. You're called to give generously, but not because Pastor Steve stood up here last week and talked about God's blessed you and you should give because that type of motivation will not sustain that sacrifice. 
The gospel must inform and empower your life in every single thing that you do. That's what you do with your money. That's what you do with your time. And yes, that's what you do with your talents, with your abilities and passions, those gifts that God's given you. And every single person in this room has a gift set. Some of you have got a lot of gifts. Some of you, God has been so good to you. You have so much to offer that the only true way you can worship him is to say, God, I give it all back to you. So if you're here today, I'm not doing the heads bowed, eyes closed thing. Here's what I want to know. If you're in this room and God has been good to you and he has forgiven you much, I want you to raise your hand. If you're here and you know that you have gifts, I want you to raise your hand. Don't be falsely humble. Don't act like, oh, my gifts aren't that good because that's a slap in the face of the gift giver. God's given you good gifts. And understanding that, your only reasonable response in worship is to say, God, it's all yours. If you've given me the ability to teach, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to lead a connect group starting in January because I've got a gift. If it's the gift of serving others and you're not doing it, then yes, go. Come through, grow you. Find a serve team, but not because I guilted you into it. Because your life is informed by the gospel to a level and you understand what Christ did for you to a level that when the gospel gets inside of you, then that love and that servanthood and that sacrifice comes out of you because through the power of Jesus on the cross, that's what got into you to save you. We're all sinners. We're all fallen. God has saved us. And because of that, I give everything back to him. Now, I don't want to get through this message preaching those things without taking some time to think maybe there's somebody in here today that that hasn't taken that step to give their life to Christ. Maybe you're still in that place where you know I'm a sinner, I'm broken. So now with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I want to make an appeal to you today. Because if you're here and you know you do not have God, you have not submitted your life. Maybe you just look like a Christian when you walked in our doors today, but but you know you're not living your life as a Christian, as a living sacrifice, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Father, I thank you, Father, so much. God, for your grace and for your mercy, for your love, Jesus. I thank you, God, that we are so broken and we are so fallen, God, but that you loved us enough that while we were still sinners. You gave yourself for us. You became the ultimate sacrifice. God, I pray that every single hand that went up would have a fresh understanding of who you are, what you can be to their life today. And I know that just that faith step of raising their hand is their heart's cry to say, God, save me. And if that was you, then it's not just a prayer you pray. It's a life that you live. God, give them the grace to do just that. Give us all the grace to use our gifts 
to give our lives back to you because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hope you all have an awesome Thanksgiving week, and we'll see you back next time.